The Productive Woman, Episode 481. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Welcome and thank you for joining me. In this episode, I'll be sharing with you my conversation with coach, author, podcaster, and former marketing professional, Anna Lundberg, as part of our Productive Living series. You'll find more information about Anna, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 481. I am delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Anna Lundberg. Anna is the founder of One Step Outside, where she helps experienced professionals around the world design a career, a business, and a lifestyle that brings them more freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment outside of the conventional nine to five. She's the author of Leaving the Corporate 9 to 5 and Outside of the 9 to 5 and host of the Reimagining Success podcast. She lives with her two young children on the south coast of England. And I have really been looking forward to talking with Anna about freedom, success, productivity, and making a life that matters. So welcome, Anna. Thank you, Laura, for that introduction. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm just delighted that you can be here. Um, And we were talking earlier about the fun of trying to schedule an interview across multiple time zones. So um, I think we're going to have a fun conversation today. I gave a little bit of an introduction to you, but um, maybe we can start by you perhaps telling us a little more about who you are, where you are, what you do, anything you think would be useful for us to know as we get into this conversation. Yes, sure. So as you mentioned, I'm in England and I grew up here, but I'm actually from Sweden. So my parents are both Swedish, hence the name Lundberg. And I grew up in the south of England, sort of a suburb outside of London. Initially, my dad moved here a couple of years before I was born and it was supposed to be a temporary contract. And then it was renewed and renewed and they still live in the same house as when I was born. So they've stayed uh, in the UK for four decades. But I've grown up with that second language and second culture. Um, I studied at Oxford University, so I had quite a successful sort of traditional academic path. Didn't really know what to do career-wise, so I just kept studying. I did a master's. I went to Geneva in Switzerland, so continuing the quite international spin, I suppose, and ended up, as I always say, because it was a little bit accidental, I ended up working at Procter & Gamble, so big American multinational corporation, and I worked there in marketing. But I left there in 2013, so I've now been working for myself over a decade. And of course, as we'll talk about, I'm sure life looks a bit different now than it did then. I was young and single and carefree, (laughs) and freedom (laughs) meant different things to me then than they do now. And as you mentioned, I've got a three-year-old and a four-year-old, in fact, Zach and Sophia, and they live here in, in yeah, in a lovely house by the sea, fulfilling a lifelong dream to live by the ocean. So quite a journey to get here, but but very happy with all the twists and turns. Wow. Sounds like a, a fun life and, and living by the sea in England. Uh, I could go for that. So 
Before we dig into the topic of freedom and reimagining success and some of the things that you talk and write about and how all that relates to productivity and living a life that matters, maybe we could provide a little context for how you make a meaningfully productive life yourself. So if there is such a thing for you as a typical day, what might that look like? I love that phrase, meaningfully productive life. I mean, I think I've always been, I studied philosophy, and I've always been sort of obsessed with asking myself those big picture questions and the why and the meaning of life. So it's always been on my mind. And right now, I think my life is pretty balanced and meaningful. My kids, you know, we're out of the worst knock on wood phase of newborns and bad sleep and so on. My ambitions are increasing a little bit with my business. So it's about finding that right balance between, you know, becoming more visible, making more of an impact, earning more money while still being present with the kids and and still being healthy and taking care of myself. I think the the typical day is tricky because the week is a bit inconsistent, driven by childcare essentially and my daughter's at school um, and my son is in kindergarten we call it here so so nursery or daycare um, but some days are longer than others so Mondays and Thursdays I have a longer day which means I have more time to play with to to get my work done and um, Tuesdays it's a shorter day Friday's a shorter day and Wednesday I actually have my son at home so you know in a nutshell I try to get up before the kids, which didn't work at all today, but I tried to get up. So I have a little bit of time to have some tea, um, maybe play a game, a bit of my language learning, just have a bit of space before the chaos starts. Then we do the school daycare drop-off. If my partner does that, then I try to go for a run or do some exercise. And then I'm quite a fan of time blocking, which I'm sure you've talked about lots on the podcast. But, you know, mm -hmm. I try to work with flexible blocks, knowing that, okay, right now my focus is this and so I make sure that's sort of the first thing I do the eat the frog kind of concept and then I'm really very conscious about breaking up my day and um, I try to go for a walk along the beach every day at least once you know proper meal time snacks definitely leave the house for fresh air and so on and to be honest I'm so tired in the evening usually I'm a bit uh, pathetic these days despite better sleep so it's often just some tv or something but I have been trying to make time for reading or you know playing a game and sometimes also going to the gym so not particularly exciting but you know I'm sort of ticking the boxes of the things I want to be doing yeah I know you work with professionals to help them sort of design a life, as, as your bio says. What does your work look like and how did you get into that work? Yes, yeah, so it's very varied at this moment in particular, because after such a long time, I'm, I'm pivoting and evolving a little bit. And when I first left my job in 2013, I didn't really have a plan. <laughs> I didn't have a coach. I didn't have the support. So I sort of fell into consulting initially and did that for a few years. Then I discovered coaching and I integrated that into the work I was doing. And, and ultimately, I sort of landed on a combination that used my branding, marketing, business experience on the one hand, but then I added in this kind of life coaching, meaning of life kind of question. So it happened very organically as I myself transitioned out of the corporate nine to five, as I call it, people came to me to ask me for help. And then that sort of became my program. So I've done one-to-one -one coaching and group coaching there. Um, but I've always al also worked with companies and I'm trying to focus more on that going forwards now. So to have an impact on these topics that we're talking about, balance and productivity and fulfillment and so on within the corporate framework and not only for people who happen to want to start a business. So that means that, you know, I'm both working with individuals and companies, 
I'm these days, you know, I'm writing books and social media and podcasts and all sorts, you know, so it's become very complex, I suppose, but also very interesting and very varied. Mm. And do you have a team working with you or an assistant or anything, or are you doing this all yourself? Yeah. So again, it's evolved over time. And wait, when you say team, I always think, no, I don't. But actually, if I break it down, I, I have an accountant, of course, who isn't on my team, but certainly takes a big chunk of work from the accountant and bookkeeper. I've got a podcast editor um, and I do have an assistant at the moment. We're actually winding down her work with me and I've been taking on more things again. Um, but definitely for, for the last, oh, I think four or five years, at least I've had some kind of support to to do the, the sort of repetitive work of scheduling social media and blogs and uploading podcasts and all of that stuff. So I can free up my pretty limited time on, on actually coaching or speaking or writing. Mm -hmm. And so in managing all of these things, your children, your work, your self-care, all the different components of your work and, and your life. Are there any tools that you use to help you kind of manage it all, keep track of things to be as productive as you want to be in those various areas? Yeah, I think when I first started, I, I and, and I think many people do, embrace freedom. And I thought, oh, I don't want to have an alarm clock and I don't want to have any structure. I just want to do whatever I feel like. But I realized quickly that that wouldn't get me very far. So as much as that's really nice to just do whatever you feel like, it's not really going to build your business very effectively um, and it's easy for things to get neglected. Mm -hmm. So I'm a fan of the ideal week. So I sort of map out what I want my week to look like and then I can review that at the start of each week. So if I know, let's say it's exercise, it's rained here really badly the last two days. So then I can see, oh, okay, I won't be able to go for my run that day. You know, can I move it to the afternoon or to another day? Or usually that's my, you know, day off or something, but I happen to have a client workshop. So how can I juggle things around? So I sort of use my calendar a lot is really big. And then if you're familiar with Asana mm -hmm. as a project management software, I'm trying to use that more and more with recurring tasks, um, I'm also yeah, collating clients and projects and trying to pretty much put everything there so that I don't have to keep things in my head. But I sort of, when I sit down, well, actually, I've got a standing desk now, so I'm not sitting down. But when I stand at my desk in the morning, I don't have to sort of reinvent the wheel and think, hmm, what should I be working on now? But rather, I know Monday morning I go in and it says, right, this is what you need to do. So that's that really helps me to not have to remember everything in my head is quite important when you've got so much going on. And then, of course, you know, having boundaries and signing out, shutting down the computer, turning off my notifications. That's really important as well. Yeah. And that can be hard to do where you live, where you work. Uh, you know, I certainly find that not just podcasting, but with a full-time law practice that I do from home. It's, it can be very, very hard to sort of shut down at the end of the day and walk away because it's just right here in, in the house. Yes. And funnily enough, I, I used to enjoy that flexibility and I did the whole digital nomad thing, traveling and working. And we have recently just renovated this house and I have the most wonderful study here. So I love I love this space now. Mm -hmm. um, I love spending time here, but it also means that it is a separate space so I can close the door and leave. The, the more difficult thing, of course, is your phone because you have your phone with you everywhere. And mm. there's such a blurred boundary. Social media is that kind of work because it's marketing and connecting with clients, but it's also kind of fun. And that's where it gets dangerous, I think, where you just you're always on. You see an email that, you know, you don't really have time to reply to, but you think, oh, I should reply to that client. And, and that's where you have to be really careful with the boundaries. And so how do you do that? Mm -hmm. 
how to do that. I'm I'm very clear with my clients, and the good thing, in particular, with ind- individual clients, so you know, business owners and people who want to have that balance in their lives, I'm role modeling the mm. behavior that I'm helping them with. So that's in an, in a way easy because they really respect that and they aspire to that same balance. Um, it's a little bit harder with bigger organizations, but still then I'm, I'm really careful that I don't reply to emails on a Sunday evening or, you know, if, if, if it is a day off or something, unless it's very exceptional, I would be clear that that's, you know, I'm going on holiday next week, so I can't do that meeting then. So I like to think that the the clients who respect and, you know, yeah, and share those values with me will be much more um, empathetic and more enjoyable people to work with as well. And so far, I think people do respect those boundaries and they, they admire it. Oh, good. I want to get into some of the things that you have written about and probably spoken about. One of them is, I found it interesting in a recent post on your blog, you wrote about what you called the busy trap. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. What is the busy trap and uh, what impact does it have on us as individuals, as women? Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking a lot about this now. And I just think as a society, we're so addicted to being busy, especially if you feel that you're a high performer, a high achiever. It's just, it's celebrated like a good thing. Or I'm so busy. I'm so important. So many emails and oh, so many meetings. I must be incredibly, you know, significant. And and there's something (laughs) about the ego, I think, and just the way our status identity is, is caught up in work and people needing us. But I just question this more and more. It's such an emperor's new clothes for me. You know, why are we busy? And in fact, your whole topic of productivity, productivity for the sake of productivity, there must be something else, right? And I think mm-hmm. obviously we're seeing so much data now and anecdotal evidence of stress and burnout and people are neglecting the things that and relationships and health and so on that really matter. So we're too busy to exercise. We're too busy to take time off. We're too busy to put the phone down for a moment just to play with our child or be present with our partner. You know, it's, we're forgetting what matters, I think. So it's, it's sort of a sad state of affairs and it's such a cliche, but life is short. And if we're just kind of rushing through, head down, busy, 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 doing that busy work, you know, are, are we going to regret that when we're older? Are we going to look back and think, hang on a second, what was all that busyness for? I get migraines when I'm working too hard and you know obviously men of a certain age in particular can be prone to heart attacks and there's all sorts of health problems that can happen let alone the bigger questions of you know divorce and and relationships and so on so so I'd love for people to ask you know hang on why are you so busy and is this really more important than this other thing that that you're too busy to do. Yeah I totally agree with that and your your comment about the feeling that I'm so important because I'm so busy. This shows how important I am and how, you know, what a contribution I'm making. And I don't think that's conscious in a lot of us. I think we can just kind of get sucked into it and thinking if I have nothing to do and nobody's calling or I don't have, you know, my schedule just filled from morning to night and beyond that I'm not as um, significant, not as important. And you know, it's just not true. I think there's an emptiness that happens as a vacuum if you take away all that busyness. I mean, a simple example in the context of of your question about having an assistant, when I first delegated some of that work to an assistant, 
suddenly I was doing nothing. Like my whole week just freed up because it turned out I'd been spending all my time just doing the back end stuff, uploading, you know, scheduling things. And I wasn't doing really the the value added business development, conversations, coaching. And I think that's the danger. When we stop doing the busy work, there's a bit of an emptiness, a vacuum, and we have to ask the difficult questions. What are my priorities? What should I, what do I want to be spending my time on? And those are exciting, but also can be quite scary questions because the answer might be different to to where you are and what you're with, what you're doing and who you're with right now. And that can be, you know, quite a difficult change that needs to happen. Yeah. And change is scary for a lot of us. Mm. And I think we as a, a culture, maybe it's just Western culture as a society, we're not very good at being alone with our thoughts. We don't do well with silence, with quiet. I just think that's part of it, that we fill up our days with activity and noise so we don't have to think about those hard questions that you mentioned. Yes, absolutely. You're so right. And they are, yeah, they're very hard questions, but also really interesting questions. And in a way, mm-hmm. that, that, that is the point. That is the meaning of life. And, and we're ultimately the ones who, who need to take responsibility for our own lives and make those decisions. It's so easy to blame other people, to resent a bad boss or a partner or parents who didn't blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, you know, this is my life. And there's a point at which I'm too old to blame my parents and teachers for (laughs) for my behavior today, right? So it's just a choice, really. We can't change how we've acted in the past, but what we can do is is change the present, definitely. And and with that, also the future. Yeah, I love that. So how... Can we avoid the busy trap? If I knew that, I think I'd be very, very rich. But um, I think it starts with (laughs) taking a breath and just asking yourself, hang on a second, what am I working on? What is this thing that I'm so busy with and why? So how important is it? How urgent is it? You know, do I need to be doing it? Um, Don't let yourself fall back on that excuse that's so easy and flippant to just say, oh, I'm too busy. Um, you know, really probe. And as you just said, ask yourself those difficult questions and recognize that it is a choice. You're choosing something else. If I'm too busy to exercise, it's because I'm choosing to spend that time, you know, if I'm going to be a bit provocative, either watching Netflix or <laughs> scrolling through Instagram or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, you know, not to be in any way... what's the word discompassionate uncompassionate uncompassionate I think is the one I'm trying to find so not not in any way to criticize people who don't have the energy or time because we all have our own situation of caring responsibilities and health and family and so on as long as you're making a conscious choice to do the thing that you're doing and to not do that other thing that's amazing you know, you're making that intentional, proactive decision. But where I'd urge you to be careful is when you're allowing sort of other people and circumstances to make those decisions for you under the excuse that, oh, I can't, I'm too busy. So that is a difficult conversation to have. But asking yourself, I think, is already a great step to raise that awareness and then shift and start thinking about, hmm, what other choices could I make? And how could I start taking little steps 
to to change things. It doesn't have to be, you know, when I started running after having my children, I didn't run and I still haven't run a marathon or an ultra marathon, you know, from day one. I went from, it's called like a count to 5K and then I did a 5K to 10K program and a 10K to a half marathon. You know, you don't go from zero to 100 right away. So even just if you're not exercising right now, going for a walk every lunch and you know, if you're not making time to see your partner, maybe just having one evening a week when you don't watch TV or something, you know, it can be quite little shifts that can make all the difference. Yeah. And I think that's such a, a great point that we we often think, well, the only way to uh, make a difference is to have some massive overhaul. And it's sort of all or nothing kind of thing. And I can't do the massive overhaul right now. So I'm going to do nothing. But small changes made consistently over time can make a huge difference in what our life looks like. Absolutely. And we think in those binary terms, you know, either I'm over there living my best life and everything is unicorns and rainbows, or I'm over here and everything is terrible. And and there are so many nuances, so many steps in between. And so I think that's sort of the the gray of the different shades between here and there. Um, There's so many yeah, versions of, of your life that could be closer to where you want to be without, as you said, requiring a massive, I'm going to quit my job or divorce my husband or whatever it is, you know, there can be absolutely smaller shifts you can make um, to start seeing change right away. Yeah. And I think, as you've said, it starts with awareness, you know, taking the time to think consciously about these things, to ask yourself the questions, and to become intentional about what you're doing instead of just going through the day being reactive to whatever comes at you from the world. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that, you know, the things you've said about that. I want to pivot a little bit because you, you've also written, I think fairly recently, about the skills of the future that every professional must develop. And I know a lot of your work has to do with professionals and helping them sort of redefine success for themselves and uh, create a life and and a career that works for them. What are these skills of the future that every professional must develop and, and why are they important? Mm. And I think those topics are so, so connected. The productivity, the whole point of that, again, is not just for the sake of productivity, it's for fulfillment and meaningful success. And so there's obviously big changes happening and we have the the big looming artificial intelligence coming and there's there's so much that can't be predicted. And yet we know that our careers are not going to be linear as they were for our parents or grandparents. You know, my grandmother, and in fact, my grandfather worked in the same company, not just the same, you know, role and, um, yeah, career path, but actually the same company for their entire working lives. And then they retired. And that's just not the case anymore. So we need to be, again, proactive about creating a vision for where we want to be and taking responsibility for developing those skills of the future. Now, as as much as I'm no futurist and predicting crazy things, but it it seems and makes sense to me, and I think the data that I've seen, you know, backs that up, that the skills actually are not only the obvious ones like coding and working with AI and so on, but it's really the human skills that become all the more important. And given the unpredictability of the world and so on, things, the softer skills like um, adaptability and resilience, uh, self-efficacy, you know, lifelong learning. We can't just 
rest on our laurels and be complacent about, look, I'm really successful in this career. I've done this for 30 years and, and this is me. But actually, especially as we become more senior, we need to keep reinventing ourselves. We need to build our personal brands. We need to be, you know, have empathy and, and see how we can develop other people and so on. So it's really those, yeah, empathetic human skills that become all the more important in, in navigating an uncertain future. Mm. And do you think that is applicable only to professionals like the people that you work with? Or, or don't you think that that uh, really applies to all of us, no matter what we're doing? Absolutely. And that's what I love. You know, everything that I've done with business owners and would-be business owners applies to people in corporate and applies to people not working. I mean, lifelong learning is a huge value of mine. And I think as human beings, we all want to grow. It's a natural you know, desire and yeah, empathy. My goodness, we all need that in our relationships with our children, with our partners. Resilience, being able to pick ourselves up after the inevitable setbacks. Mm. So, so these absolutely, they're, they're so powerful. And, and hopefully, I, you know, again, perhaps it's a little bit naive, but I like to think that, and it's an overused word, we can be our authentic whole selves. I mm. certainly can. I'm very lucky because really in my personal life and my work, I can, you know, it's my business. I don't have a boss that's going to tell me, oh, you can't share that or you can't wear that or whatever. And But I like to think that we're coming to the place where we have, yeah, there's not such a artificialness needed to to show up and be this perfect machine in the office. There'll be AI machines taking over that part. And, and again, this sort of empathetic coaching leadership style and understanding the context for people's actions and psychological safety and trust and all these values become so much more important as we, yeah, we, we empathy is such a key word for me, but understanding other people and finding ways to collaborate and, and so on in, yeah, in a diverse environment. So really interesting times, mm. quite unstable, obviously, now after the pandemic and with all this hybrid work in remote and things, there's lots of uncertainty. Um, but there are some things that we definitely know, and it's good to focus on those. And I think, yeah, lifelong learning and focusing on some of these skills is never going to be a bad thing. Well, and and as you were talking about that, I'm thinking how developing those skills of empathy and resilience are that's a good thing, not only for individuals, professional lives or relationships, but for the world in general, I think we all could use a, a bit more of that. When you see the mm. battles that go on among people that don't even know each other on social media or in the news or any of those sorts of things, uh, certainly cultivating those skills and that ability to see things from somebody else's perspective are sorely needed, I think, in this modern era. Hey, hey. Yeah. Some of what you've talked about has me thinking about your the title of your podcast and what I think looks like kind of the overarching theme of the work that you're doing is this concept of redefining success. Can we talk just f for a few minutes about how you came to focus on that, what, why, you know, what that means to you, and, and maybe a, a couple of practical ways that we can begin to do that, to redefine success. Mm. No, I'm glad you can see that overarching theme because that's always, well, yes, always my intention. And, and I always look at the things I'm doing through that lens. Funnily enough, so I went to an American high school the last two years of my school. 
And I was voted in the yearbook most likely to succeed. And I remembered that a while ago. And I sort of asked myself, what what did my classmates see in me? What did they mean by that accolade? You know, I imagine it was because I did well at school. I got good grades. I had a high GPA. I graduated valedictorian. And so, oh, I'm going to succeed. Mm. But, you know, as much as that was true in the conventional sense that I got a good job and blah, blah, blah. And I'm very grateful for that. And I know I'm very privileged. I don't think, you know, coming back to this topic of skills as well, that my what I call my kind of good girl upbringing set me up for real success in the world because I was so looking for external validation. Even now I need someone to give me the gold star or tell me I'm doing a good job. Um, I'm always looking for the right answer and there is no right Mm -hmm. answer in the world. And I think I'm quite cautious. So I, I do things the way you're supposed to do them instead of being a bit more innovative and, you know, challenging the norm and so on. So I just... I, I just think there's something to, to question around this concept. And of course, I, I looked at what the definition of success is and you find the usual, you know, the fame, the fortune and so on. But you actually also find the dictionary definition of the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. And that got me thinking, because if success is the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose, you need to know what your aim or purpose mm. is. And that's where I think we go wrong. So either we don't ask ourselves that question at all. And then we end up on kind of an accidental career path. And, and you know, before we know it, we're looking around ourselves saying, hmm, how did that happen? Or we're taking other people's definitions. So again, our parents, society, TV programs, whatever it is, and we're living according to someone else's definition. And I think a lot of us wake up to this. I'd like to think not too late, but quite late, you know, in our 30s, 40s. And so that that's a moment when we can redefine success but it's a shame I suppose that it takes us this long to find our way to a more meaningful goal to work towards yeah well and I think maybe in our younger years we it doesn't occur to us to ask the question we we are you know we get the cues from the people around us from our education from society whatever about what what it means to be successful and we go after that um, just um, almost automatically, and it doesn't occur to us maybe until later that we sort of get to that place of okay, well, I achieved this thing that I was told would meant success, and uh, you know why I'm not I'm not feeling very satisfied with it. I I think personally, you know, when I was younger, I always thought you know lawyers that being a lawyer that was like such a big deal and and such a not something i could ever do and i went uh, finished college and went to law school later in life than people typically do and i found once i had done all that and actually was a lawyer i sort of looked around and thought well i guess if i can do it it must not be that big a deal so you know what what am i missing here <laughs> And had to start asking those questions and thinking about those things of, okay, I've achieved success in this career that I've always sort of held up there as as this big deal, and I don't feel like a big deal, and I'm not sure that what I'm doing here, I, I love being a lawyer, and I love helping my clients and all of that, but there there's been a lot as I got older, a lot of, well, okay, Surely there's more than this. 
Well, that's so interesting because, as you said, law, you know, it's really the pinnacle. Law and medicine were traditionally the the peak kind of career paths to follow. It reminds me of a... I, I was listening to the radio the other day and there's a famous um, athlete who won the Tour de France, so the cycling competition mm -hmm. that's incredibly challenging and difficult. And he said... Um, when he won that, he looked around himself and he around him and felt, well, this isn't as impressive as I thought. You know, he'd mm -hmm. been admiring these other winners previously. And now that it was he who'd been winning, he just wasn't the same. And then, of course, he got his medal from the king and he looked around and he saw others who'd lost limbs in the war. And he thought, who am I to? And so on. So there's a bit of an imposter syndrome almost as well. Mm -hmm. We we get to the top and then we sort of downplay our own success. You, you downplay your success because, oh, if I can do it, it must not be so difficult. Yeah. But I guess coming back to the the point that you made about young people as well, I think to some extent we can't even make that decision then because yeah. we haven't had the experience. I wouldn't have known any of these things. You know, you don't know what really, unless you're very, very self-aware, which some amazing people are, but you don't know what you're good at, what you enjoy. So to some extent you do have to make these mistakes in order to land on something more powerful. Yeah more you know more meaningful to you um but i would love to see more guidance and encouragement for young people to explore to experiment to to find out who they are and what's important to them early on and um, rather than and interestingly you know we were very much shaped by our family and parents expectations so in my family funnily enough my my mum's parents both went to university and that was very rare but it was such an assumption that I would go to university. And, mm. um, you know, in some families, the parents have a trade and it's sort of assumed that the children continue with that. In others, they're entrepreneurial. And then that's, if they've had a successful experience, that's success. And if not, then it's the other way around. But no, you should go into corporate or, you know, if your family's doctors and so on. So we're so shaped by the yeah. immediate people around us. And, and I think, as you said, you end up on kind of an automated path a convey about rather than asking yourself those those intentional proactive questions yeah I wonder maybe in these things that we've talked about if there's a woman listening who maybe is feeling stuck or discouraged or, or just unfulfilled in her current career but she's hesitant to take the risk to make a change what would you say to her what tips could you offer her or suggestions for things for her to think about yeah i think a few things i mean as as we said there's no rush to to decide today or to quit your job tomorrow or whatever that that natural next step is so the the biggest thing would be to give yourself grace and compassion to explore and ask yourself some of these questions it's so easy and people come to me and they want to rush into how do i do the LinkedIn profile and how do I do an email sequence and all these things? But it's, hang on a second, what does success mean to you? And so it's it's thinking about your values. It's thinking about what do you still enjoy about the work that you're doing? What don't you enjoy? You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Think of all of your roles that you've done personally, professionally, volunteering with your kids at school, whatever, and try to really map out your strengths, your skills, your interests and um, to, to really spend that time getting to know yourself. I think that's such an important piece of the puzzle. And then looking ahead, where do you see, see yourself in the future? In practical terms, I'm sure people have heard of doing a vision board. So that's a great thing to do if you're if you're quite a visual person, you know, just flip through magazines and find words and pictures that resonate with you. Or if you're more of a writer, you know, try some free writing and journaling and just 
think of of the things that you're missing right now, the gaps, the things you'd like to be more of, see more of, do more of. So really, you know, without putting lots of activities and exercises on your plate, just give yourself that time to explore and understand who am I? What does success look like for me? And then we can figure out the how. So start with what you want and then, you know, the rest will will fall into place. Yeah. And give yourself permission to do that exploration, to to consider alternatives and to to do that sort of thought work about, as you said, who I am, you know, what matters to me, what would success look like to me? And I like the the fact that you uh, suggested thinking about the various roles that you've been in and what did you like and why did you like that? What, what about it was uh, fulfilling or interesting or exciting to you and how, how that might then fit into what your future looks like. And I would, I would suggest to uh, those who are listening, if you're in that position where you're, you know, kind of exploring or, or just at least feeling kind of stuck and unfulfilled where you are and considering what alternatives might be out there, I would suggest you check out Anna's podcast, Redefining Success, because I think you talk about a lot of this kind of stuff on your podcast. Yes, and I started in 2018, so there are years and years of episodes. If you go right back to the beginning, I probably don't sound particularly professional, but I ask some of these questions and I revisit them again and again, you know, three exercises when you don't know what's next and all these things. So absolutely, I hope, you know, if you're a fan of podcasts, as I'm sure you are, since you're here listening to Laura, then that's a great way, I find, to learn and to ask myself those questions while being very productive because you could be at the gym or going for a walk <laughs> while you're listening. So I think it's a win-win really listening while you're while you're doing something else. Yeah. And and I think that's so helpful when you're you're feeling stuck but you're not sure what where to go next. Listening to something like your podcast and the things that you talk about there can give food for thought and kind of help you start to move in a direction that is interesting to you. Mm. Uh, so I do recommend that. Our conversation today uh, is part of a sort of recurring series on the Productive Woman podcast, uh, what we've called the Productive Living series. And on this podcast, we talk about productivity as more than just getting stuff done, but in the broader sense of making a life that matters as each woman defines it for herself. And so, Anna, what does it mean to you to make a life that matters? Oh, such a powerful question. It it starts with a life that matters to me. And, and, you know, that sounds selfish, but as I said, it's my life. I have to live with the consequences. And, you know, success for me is very individual and uniquely meaningful to me. So I think at a fundamental level, it has to matter to me. And it almost doesn't matter what that is. It's up to me to decide. But then for me now as a mother, it also has to matter to my family. My kids are young. They're always at the forefront of my mind and I want what's best for them, of course. And I want to role model and inspire them. So that's, I'm always thinking of that. How can I be present with them and also show them that it's possible to be ambitious and to succeed in my career? And then I guess going from the selfish to the really huge and audacious, but I'd love for it to matter to the world, you know, maybe a lofty ideal, but I'd like to think that in some small way, I'm making a difference to other people. I studied um, 
development economics and politics actually at university and I was hoping to you know work at the United Nations or in a non-governmental organization or charity and that's again quite a black and white view of the kind of career that can help people but there are so many different ways you know as a lawyer you can help people and as a doctor and hopefully for me as a coach and trainer as well so I think those are the three levels for me it needs to matter to me it needs to matter to my family and hopefully in doing that it will also matter to the world as a whole. And I think that's a great way of looking at things. And I, I agree 100%. You need, for each of us, we have the right, and I think we we can and should define it for ourselves. What would make it matter to me? How how would I feel my life matters? What, what does that look like? And there's nothing wrong with that. I think we, um, you know, we think... It's selfish to care about ourselves and how we feel. And yet we can't, you know, all the old trite um, statements about we can't pour out of an empty cup. We can't really um, make a difference for other people if we're not um, living a life that matters to us as an individual. I want to ask this question because I always ask us, I think it's so interesting uh, we can learn from each other in, in, the, in this question. Um, and that is with, with all the systems you have in place to sort of manage all the various aspects of your life and to get the things done that are important to you, do you ever have a day when it, when it all gets away from you or do you, you just feel completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I remember a day years ago when I was so frazzled in the morning and I think I found a YouTube meditation track and it just, it was such a funny thing because, you know, you think, oh, I've got so much to do. I've got to keep pushing forwards. But actually taking those 10, 15 minutes to listen just calmed me right down and got me more grounded. Funnily enough, today is quite a tough day for me because I went out with a friend last night. So I was up a little later than I usually am. Um, my kids, for some reason, decided both to come in and sleep in my bed and wake <laughs> me up at 5.30, which they haven't done in a long time. Um, we're flying to Sweden tomorrow for the holiday. I had quite a few calls today. I've got to pack for all three of us. I've got a lot to do. And so when I woke up, I really wasn't in a good mood and I was quite worried Um I, as I've mentioned, I think I get migraines as well, which is at the moment um, happening quite a bit. So it's definitely something I've got an eye on. Um, but I try to be present and enjoy the snuggles with my kids on the sofa early this morning. Um, Dad took them to school and daycare so I could go for a run. And um, I did a workout and I had a shower. So I didn't rush into everything I had to do. And I've tried to just focus, you know, I had a little to-do list here. I've done the things that I absolutely needed to do. And I've had a couple of calls. I still got a bit more packing to do, um, but I've really enjoyed our chat. So this is a really nice, I'm feeling not stressed and overwhelmed at all now. So I'm feeling very grounded and centered. I feel fulfilled with the work I've done today and, and hopefully will navigate the final hours of today calmly <laughs> and, and um, wish me luck traveling by myself with two kids tomorrow. <laughs> That's all I can say. We'll, we'll come back and let you know how tomorrow goes. Oh, absolutely. I've been there. I, I'm uh, the mom of five kids. They're, uh, they're all adults and several, most of them have kids of their own now, but I've had to do a few of those uh, trips with, with the kids and no adult to help. And so, I'll be thinking of you. I'm, I'm, Thank you. What I like is that when you're by yourself, people are actually very 
friendly and helpful. Yes. So it's almost better to travel by yourself. Although five, that's very impressive, Laura. So well done there. <laughs> I admire you greatly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, um, Anna, there are so many more things I'd love to talk with you about. It may be, uh, I, maybe we can get together and talk more uh, another time. But for now, if folks listening would like to know more about what you're doing or maybe connect with you with questions, where's the best place for them to find you to connect online? Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, the podcast is a great place to start. So Reimagining Success. And hopefully you'll have my details and my name is a little tough to spell. And unfortunately, there's a famous actress who has my name. So <laughs> if you're going to Google me, you have to put something like Anna Lundberg coach. Otherwise, you get the actress, which is a bit annoying to me. as <laughs> my personal brand. Um, but yeah, and you can find me on any social channel. Hopefully it should be easy to whatever your choices, LinkedIn, Instagram and so on. But start with a podcast if you're, yeah, if you're liking our conversation and reflecting on these questions of what success means to you, that's a great place to start. Yes, and we will definitely have links to that and to your other um, social media platforms in the show notes for this episode. Um, before we go, many of the women, maybe most of the women who listen to the Productive Woman podcast are looking for help and maybe some encouragement in getting the things done that matter to them and making a life that matters thinking about how the things um, we've talked about today fit into that objective. Do you have any last words for the woman who might be looking for a little bit of encouragement in that area? I think, yeah, the last thing I want to do is sort of add to the overwhelm because sometimes it can feel like, and you know, it's so easy for me too to put together long PDFs and trainings and all these things. And actually that's not always helpful. But I think again, taking a breath and giving yourself that grace and compassion to explore, to spend some time thinking about what matters. And that's really the number one thing you get to decide. And as I always say, that's both scary and exciting, but hopefully it's very empowering to know that you get to make these choices. So as long as you're making the right choice or the, the choice that you think is right for you and your family right now, that's all we can ask really. And you might make a different choice tomorrow and, you know, and these little shifts that we talk about can make a huge difference. But just try to ask yourself a bit more often, what am I working on? Why is it important? And how might I shift my focus a little bit? Great advice. Thank you so much, Anna. Such a pleasure. And I'd love to have another chat. So many fantastic questions and really important things to think about. So thank you again for having me on. I hope it was valuable to the audience. Oh, I think so. Thank you. Well, I really appreciated my conversation with Anna and especially her valuable insights about redefining success. If you're interested in learning more about the work she's doing, check out her website, her podcast, Reimagining Success, and her books. She also recommended a couple of productivity resources she uses, including Asana, the idea of creating the ideal week, and a book called 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, written by Oliver Berkman. We'll have links to all of those things in the show notes. I'd love to know what you think. Do you have any questions or comments about the things that Anna and I discussed? You can share those in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 481. That's also where you'll find the links I mentioned. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you're a member there. 
You can, of course, share your thoughts with me privately by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. And that, my friends, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Anna. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found something in it that was helpful or encouraging to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Mm -hmm.